Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 446. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I'm Lorraine Sink, Human Woman. And this is Jason Reichelhardt, JMI. Yeah, James, James, James! I'm so excited James is with us. (laughs) Thank you, glad to be here, guys. This is awesome. We are like a a, a trio. There's a type of wrestling called, they have it like the trios. Where it's three people and it's just chaos and it's <laughs> wonderful and that's us. What would what would our name be? We need a good faction. Uh... Wow, Agent M and his amazing friends. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the most egotistical, terrible thing, and I'm here for it. Great, Agent M and his amazing friends are here to bring you everything happening at this week in Marvel, whether it's comics, games, movies, TV, whatever. Uh, we actually have some really fun stuff coming this summer, Lorraine. What's happening on July 3rd? Well, it was just announced this week that Marvel's Iron Man VR has a new release date on July 3rd. You can get the game. You can pre-order it now, of course, for PlayStation VR. And if you haven't seen a demo of the game yet, if you were at one of our Comic-Cons or something like that, you should check it out. It's really cool. But you get to suit up as if you were Iron Man, a.k.a. Tony Stark, and you (sighs) jet around the world and you interact with his, like, cool ally friends. And then you uh, fight, quote-unquote, Ghosts from Tony's past, which is a pun. Nice. Nice. <laughs> a, a ghost. <laughs> have either of you played much VR? Um, a, a, a couple of times. My 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 kids have a, a, a VR system back in Bakersfield, California, and it was, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed it. Wait, did you just say Bakersfield, California? Yes. Do you live? Why? Do you live there part time? My mom is from Bakersfield, California. Most of my family is from Bakersfield, California. Well, so is mine because I'm from Bakersfield, California. <laughs> You are kidding. I swear to God. <laughs> this is a banana. Yes. I can't believe I did not know this about you, but I should have known. We, you know what's funny? We, uh, this is going to be crazy. I don't want to get too far into it, but I, like, I had, I have a really love-hate relationship with Bakersfield, California, we so do. we'll have to get into it. <laughs> and so my my beautiful niece slash daughter, who I've raised, uh, decided to go to college out there, met her husband out there. We bought a house out there. So half our family is in Bakersfield right now. So, yeah. This is so that's, wild. that's where our VR system is. <laughs> well, we'll all go home someday, and <laughs> we'll go visit. Yes, and we can, and we can, we can all go to dwarves and get a, a nice shake and kick it. And fun, yep, thank you, girl. I know fun you, fact: I, for Mother's Day, uh, I sent my mom rosemaries, which is the the yes. other dwarves and rosemaries are like the two best ice cream places in town. It's basically yes. <laughs> oh yeah, Sorry, you, Ryan, you guys jump, ever jump, go jump to Calliope's over on? Church, Church Hill Avenue next to the Stop and Grow. Okay, New York. That's my favorite spot. How dare you? <laughs> oh, awesome. Californians. I know, right? We can't help Oh, ourselves. but there's something else happening on July 3rd. Yes, there is. On July 3rd, uh, there's something a little close to my heart. Hamilton will be on Disney Plus July 3rd. Disney is bumping up the release of of its musical Hamilton by over a year. Instead of the planned theatrical release set for October 15th, 2021, it will now be out July 3rd, 2020 as a Disney Plus exclusive. And ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, this is not a movie adaption. This is not some, you know, some movie stars who are starring in the Broadway show. No, no, no. This is the actual musical the 13 tony award winning musical in high quality recording of the musical done over three different performances in 2016 and as a member of the hamilton broadway cast i can tell you this 
is the show to see. This is how it all started. This is all the people you hear on the soundtrack. This is how it would have been if you would have had $5,000 and paid to sit in the front row. But now you can see it on Disney Plus July 3rd. And then when theaters reopen, you can go see James do the show in in real life. <laughs> life. I have seen him. And let me tell you, if you sit really close to the front, James will wink at you directly. That is true. I, Definitely. I will look dead at you. Just tell me which one of, you, which one of your friends, Lorraine. Is, <laughs> Lorraine's my friend. Just put your two fingers up. I'm like, okay, I wink to you. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's it's always bummed me out because, you know, James, when you when you joined the cast, I was like, all right, great. I'm going to come see it. I'm going to come see it. And it just didn't work out because I have a tiny little baby who has <laughs> made it very difficult to do most things in life. Um, and then everything, um, everything changed. So I, I'm really hoping I get to see you in the show. Uh, you, will. you will. You yeah. will. You'll be able to see it. She's great. great. This, this is her talk. She's got some things about July 3rd. I love your dinosaurs. <laughs> She's got her little dinosaurs on. Talk. Yeah. Um, so there's even more game stuff happening right now. Um, just some quick updates for mobile games. We have Marvel Strike Force is getting Taskmaster is now available. Nice. And um, if you team him with other mercs like Bullseye, Deadpool, or Killmonger, that's a good thing. You should do that because they get some good stuff. Um, yeah. Also, Marvel Puzzle Quest got Apocalypse as a playable character, and Marvel Contest of Champions has a new Marvel Studios Black Widow-inspired uh, Black Widow Luke in the game. Um, also, you guys should, of course, see Marvel Studios Black Widow in theaters November 6th this fall. We're all waiting very patiently, but at least we get games. Yeah. At least we get games. I'm very excited about the new movie, but yes, I will wait patiently, and while I do that, I will play the games. Not saying that, you know, I, I'm addicted to that game. No, no, no. I would never say that. That'd be, that'd be terrible. We which one are you? Contest of Champions? Uh, the Marvel Puzzle Quest. <laughs> oh, Puzzle Quest. Nice. I have, I have, I have issues with a little, ooh, move the jewel here. And then I lose it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's so Puzzle Quest is so great because it's also, you can play it like one hand. Yeah. And it's one of those things like you just have it in your hand and it's like you're collecting things, you're playing, you got a little bit of like role play with the Marvel characters. I dig fun. it. It's fun. Well, I love those like jewel candy, whatever kind of games yes. too, because every time it goes boing, you're like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am one of those guys like simple pleasures. It's like, I got five candies. Yes, I did it. You know. <laughs> Speaking of simple pleasures, yes. uh, James, you and I were able to enjoy a simple pleasure of cartoons oh. recently where we got to hang out and. Uh, do a watch along for X-Men the Animated Series on Disney Plus. We did episode three, Enter Magneto. Um, and I had a lot of fun. We we had a good conversation that even dug into some like real talk yeah. at times. And I was really glad we got to do that. It was a lot of fun. I mean, not only is the cartoon just a classic, you know, of not just of 90s cartoons, but of animation period and a great moment in Marvel history. But the fact that um, the episode we got to watch, the two of us got to talk about, you know, some um, real life situations of how, you know, it's, um, art imitating life, but also life imitating art, especially now in 2020, that thing came out in 1992. And a lot of the similarities are still around. So it was it was a fun conversation. And thank you very much, bro, for letting me be a part of that. Oh, my gosh. It was my pleasure. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had some good questions from, from fans during it. And yeah. if you missed it and you want to watch the watch along, you know, you can put it on. We have it on Marvel's YouTube and Marvel's Facebook pages. 
it's available for you to watch. And I think I got feedback from a friend of mine, Rick uh, Jimenez, who is a guitarist for a band called This Is Hell. It was great. And he's like, this is the perfect way for him to experience the shows that he loves. He likes watching a show and then getting that deep dive. And, uh, you know, I find that really entertaining to watch a show, have it fresh in your mind, and then watch people who are connected to it or experienced with it or have some expertise on it be able to give you more about it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know what this reminded me of, too? Um, there's been that battle royale going on on Marvel Social all week. And or for the past week and a half, and the one that I was most excited to see, all of them have been really well paired where you're kind of like, oh, man, that's like, you know, it's not like they're putting unknown characters against like big boys and then like letting them fight it out. They're like putting like Tony Stark versus, you know, Captain America. But um, my favorite was Cyclops versus Wolverine. And of course, Wolverine kicked Cyclops's butt. And <laughs> I was like, the people have spoken. Wait, where is this? What am I, how am I missing this? What is going on? So on Marvel social media, they're, they're doing like these little polls where they're putting characters up against each other in a battle royale. And it's sort of like in the style of a monthly madness situation. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so like brackets um, and there can only be one winner, but I have just really enjoyed seeing what people are voting on and I'm really emotionally invested in it. Oh, so you, once you said Cyclops got beat, now I have to watch this. I was like, I'm very happy about hearing that news. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> One other amazing bracketed tournament that has been going on of late is with uh, our pal, Mark Bernardin. Who... Oh my God, I knew you were going to say this because <laughs> I've been following it too. Right? He's been uh, doing a tournament of all the fast food fried chicken sandwiches, uh, no. which is the like best way to spend your quarantine. And yeah. it's it's been really, really good. Like. I don't even think we have a Bojangles in New York. I can't Im- No. I yeah, we were just I was like, but, we were talking about Bojangles last night. But we don't have a we don't have a Please tell me Jack in the Box's spicy chicken sandwiches up there. Ooh. Um I have to let me see. Cuz if cuz if Jack in the Box could definitely I mean that but that's a California thing. That's a it California thing. It is a California thing. thing. But he's <laughs> in LA, so that might be there. Okay, it might be there. Okay. I remember Popeye's did very well. I don't even eat chicken. I'm I can't. I, it makes me very sick. But I have been heartily invested. So because <laughs> it's the, fascinating. The breakdown was you must send this to me. Yeah, it's Popeye's versus McDonald's, Burger King versus Churches, KFC versus Wendy's, Carl's Jr. versus Chick Fil A. And I won't Ooh. spoil it because he has chosen a winner. But if you want to uh, find out w- who won, it's text that to me, please. So I need to watch this whole battle. You got it. Uh, it's uh, at Mark Bernardin on Instagram. That's M-A-R-C-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I-N. <laughs> he's a, he's written some comics for us. He's done a bunch of stuff. He hosts the podcast and show with Kevin Smith. And he's just wonderful. He's show running uh, a TV show right now. Like Mark is... Tremendous. And he's lovely. He's, he's, he's just so, so lovely. I've spent a That's lot of really nights cool. at Comic-Con just being like, Mark, in the middle of the street and be like, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's so here's another thing that's been going on on the Marvel YouTube. Have you seen these, James? We're doing these like long, long, long slow streams that are we did one of the Sanctum Sanctorum where it's just like the view of Bleecker Street of the Sanctum Sanctorum. And you can kind of watch it all go down, like what's happening on the street and little things happen inside the windows. Well, this week we did one of Asgard. And so you could just look at the Rainbow Bridge and 
Like you see like the little top of Yggdrasil and it's sparkly and. So no, I'm definitely gonna do that because my it's wife so has nice. tons of meetings. So I'll just turn on YouTube and watch 10 hours of Asgard. I like that. <laughs> it's nice to have in the background because like there's little sounds and like rain and sounds like outdoors. And when you can't be outdoors, it's really nice to hear the outdoors. Yes. <laughs> I wish you guys, I wish you all could see Lorraine's face when she said that the the amount of like literal like melancholy in her eyes was like so serious. <laughs> It's so true. She's like, going outside would be so good. I, I love that stream. I thought it came out really, really well. And um, I had a friend of mine who he put it on and his dog plopped down in front of the television to watch it as well. It was really Aww. cute. That's Almost cute. as cute as you. Hey, Ryan, we got a new comic book announcement. Yes, it is very exciting. Things are happening, you guys. Uh, this one is a big one as well, and it is Maestro, a five-issue limited series. If you don't know the Maestro, he is the future version of Hulk, the one with uh, he's like balding on top and he's got that hair all around the back. Is like what, what do you call yeah. that hairstyle? The the, the Hulk Hogan. The Hulk, he's got a Hulk Hogan haircut uh, with a big old beard, and he is wonderful. The originally created in the 90s by uh, in a story called Hulk Future Imperfect by Peter David and George Perez. And this new five issue limited series is by Peter David with uh, Herman Peralta and Dale Keown. Dale Keown, one of the greatest Hulk artists of all time. So now we're like 30 years from that original story, but we didn't know all the details of how we got there. So this story is gonna be really cool giving some, uh, really like answering some questions. Yeah, very exciting. Answering questions and giving some details about the story of the maestro. Can I just say that I get excited whenever I see Peter David's name on something. When I was younger, it was Peter David who got me in back into the Hulk, you know, after Bill Bixby. And I was like, oh yeah, the Hulk's done. Whatever, whatever. It was Peter David. And then I can't wait to read this. That's pretty great. And that's going to be coming out in August of 2020. Very cool. Yeah. I know, I'm excited too. We have digital comics that are finally coming back. Uh, we had Ant-Man number four, Avengers of the Wastelands number four, Ghost Spider number nine, and Ravencroft number four uh, that came out this past week that you guys can go read right now. And there's even more coming out next week. Yeah, uh, so for next week, you're going to get 2020 Ironheart number one, Marvel Spider-Man The Black Cat Strikes number four, Hawkeye Freefall number five, and Star number four. That's a really great week. Uh, I've read... All of those except for Star so far at the time of recording. Hawkeye Freefall, just tremendous. And if you are a fan of Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4, the Black Cat Strikes issue is so good. It's so full of heart and like great emotional grist. I really, really dug it. Nice. I know. I'm so excited for this Iron Ironheart 2020 situation. I love Vita Ayala. It's just a cool character, you know, just, just gotta love it. Uh, but, you know, as we've been putting out digital books, we're putting out some new stuff too. The, the team at Marvel's sort of looked at, hey, what are some books that haven't really been on digital before? What do we go into the archives? What can we provide? So they've come up with these really cool hidden gems. There's been a bunch of them. We, we had some recently, but the new slate of them includes the variant covers for Deadpool. So like just getting to see tons and tons and tons of sometimes rare Deadpool variant covers is great. There's Fantastic Four, the Corvac Quest, which is a really weird kind of... Um, oh, yeah. Sort of 
off the beaten path Galactus story. Wow. My favorite of the whole bunch, though, is the X-Men Nuff Said hidden gems because Nuff Said is one of my favorite little blips in Marvel history when all the books for a given month, they were all like no dialogue. You had to tell a story without using actual words. And so that is a difficult task for a writer and an artist to put together to do. But we have great writers and artists, so they, they all knocked it out of the park. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you got me on that one. That 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 one I definitely be checking out. There's something about just just watching the art speak for itself is really really cool. So yeah, I'm in that. So if you haven't gotten a chance to read those before, now you can get them on digital. You're welcome, world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we have a question of the week. Weef 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 weef. Yeah, I mean, you know, this episode we've we've been talking about stuff coming in July with Hamilton and Marvel's Iron Man VR and in August with the Maestro comic. So yeah, maybe things aren't going to be normal, but there's stuff to be excited about this summer. Totally. There's stuff that we're going to be able to, to enjoy. So we want to know from you guys, what are you excited for for this summer, whether it's a comic or, you know, reading something or playing something? Let us know. Use the hashtag This Week in Marvel. You can email your answers to twinpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Can't wait to hear your answers. All right, but we got some tweets here. James, why don't you kick us off? You got it. Um, With John Swindle, we have, I once wrote into Marvel and it was answered in Wolverine and the X-Men number nine. This series has the best letters page as the Jean Grey school teachers answer them. Wolverine answered my letter and it was awesome. Hashtag this week in Marvel. That's very cool. Oh, that's such a good one. I love Wolverine and the X-Men. That's one of my favorite series of all times. (laughs) tremendous uh james the question for last week was you know have you ever written into a comic and had it answered in the the pages of the book have you ever written into a comic you know what no i had a pro i had an issue with romper room and miss nancy never answered me back so i just never wrote anybody anything else again in life <laughs> romper room my <laughs> god that that brings me back it's like i'm in my chair just getting <laughs> Listen, I was, I was, on, I was, I was watching at home in the Bay Area, and then she came to our church live, live, and I was the entertainer in the school. And I don't know if the teacher told Miss Miss Nancy that, and so I raised my hand, and the woman looked through me as if I was a ghost. So I just, I just, I just never wrote anything again as far as questions. I just decided just be my own star. This is personal. Now people know why I go through therapy, and I don't go through therapy. I actually just do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Robber Room was a, a children's television show that uh, aired for quite, quite a, long a long time because yeah. uh, it was it was on when we were children, but I started way before yeah. we were born, I believe. For some reason, I associate it with Three's Company. Ah, interesting. Probably because it was syndicated brain. at the same at the same time, time of day. Because I used to also watch Three's Company yeah, at probably. like six in the morning when I yes. was awake as a child. Yeah, I understand. I'm, I'm with you. Yep, with you. And it had different uh, yep. guests, and there was a big moment uh, where Miss Nancy uh, became African American, and it was an interesting moment for television. And it was really a great moment of them saying, "Look, we're acknowledging this." But the Miss Nancys were always really sweet, and they always had their, like this magic mirror, so you could see them, and she could see you. And she goes, "I see Ryan and Lorraine and James," and then she never saw me. And James is the most common name in the world, but you know, hey, I don't have any issues. But that, 
<laughs> but maybe Miss Nancy is the reason why you are so successful now because you showed Miss Nancy. That's I show I show Miss Nancy. I don't need romper room. Okay, I got Marvel. I got this week in Marvel now. People know. People people will acknowledge me. <laughs> we also have um, Colin J says I'm not even through hashtag this week in Marvel and I'm freaking out that Agent M likes great big beautiful tomorrow which is without a doubt my favorite Disney song come on man I I, I love you for that right I love you for that man I mean come on who doesn't love that the two of you do you have what are your favorite Disney songs Lorraine what's your favorite Disney song like my favorite Disney song of all time or like my favorite Disney song to sing at karaoke <laughs> All right, well, you've you've definitely got something in your yes. brain. So, you well, pick. my favorite song to sing at karaoke would always be "Part of Your World." Perfect. Well, because you look like Ariel. Because like that's my that's my vibe and that's my my jam. Um, but the best Disney song is that the one where she's like, "What's a fork? Yes. Oh, look, it's a boot." <laughs> not, no, you didn't. Say, you were so paraphrased that so badly. <laughs> Oh look, it's a is fork. That right? what? Is that a that right? Yeah, you know the famous right. lyrics from Part of Your World. Look at my fork. Oh yeah, that's a boot. Here's I want to be. <laughs> Alan Megan got an Oscar for that. <laughs> I get it. You know what song okay. I really, really do love though is the Minnie Mouse song. She's my pretty Minnie Mouse. That oh. one is from the nice. old cartoons. That's the jam. Yes, James. I know you've got like ten. I do have 10, um, but I have way too many. Um, when I'm in the park, my favorite thing to sing is to go by the teacups and sing all the lyrics to uh, Very Merry Unbirthday because I know this is terrible, and but it's so much fun to watch all the white people notice the giant black man singing, you know, ah, Very Merry Unbirthday. And they're like, he knows all the lyrics. Oh my God. I don't know why they freak out, but it's always great because I sing it really loud. That's probably the problem. I've got a churro in one hand and my voice just screaming to the top of my lungs, that song. Um, and But my favorite uh, Disney song, period, um, is uh, When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio. Uh, it's Aww. fun. It's one of the ones that makes me tear up because as a kid, I would go and watch the firework uh, show and they would always play that song and I would always wish and hope for the actual life that I have been blessed with. So... It's really, really cool. So when you wish upon a star, and I know most people think Friend Like Me. Yes, Friend Like Me is my favorite song to sing. I think those are great choices. <laughs> Thanks, man. That's awesome. You have, you only have one. You Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. Do you have another one? Because most people don't know where that I mean, song is from. I mean, you've, you've heard the extent of my knowledge of <laughs> Disney songs with the fork and the boot song. Oh, boy. That's so good. Uh, it is now the fork and the uh, boot song now, Lorraine. It's not part of your world. Moana's got good songs. And I, I Ah, yeah. Like you're welcome. That seems like a song you would like. It's sung by that is, a that former is very wrestler. Much a, a Ryan song, yeah. But we also have uh, Chamber Stevens' "A uh, Hundred Favorite Things of Quarantine 2020," uh, number seventy-four. My son Twain Stevens' new homemade Marvel mask. So that's awesome. Thanks, yeah, y'all. thanks for sending that picture, Chambers. That's so cute. I ordered a bunch of those um, Marvel masks that Disney has been making that you can order on the Disney Shop. I have to wait until like june for them but they're coming also fun fact i sent some to our place and i sent some to my father-in-law's place because we've we've been quarantining with him and (laughs) i am very excited because i think i sent disney ones to my father-in-law's house so he's gonna get a bunch of princess masks (laughs) if can't wait for it 
the cool thing is, I mean, that that what's great is that your father-in-law will be wearing these awesome princess masks. And what's really funny is that guy that we actually interviewed for uh, This Week in Marvel is a huge Disney fan and a huge Disney princess fan, I might add. He would never tell you, but I know this because we're good friends. My man, Nick Walker. Ryan and I got to interview this brother and he is, um, he was Aaron Burr on the uh, tour of Hamilton. We did Hamilton together on Broadway, but he is now Otis Williams in the wonderful Broadway hit, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, the story of the temptations. And if you send those masks to him, he will wear them on social media. I know, I did see as soon as you guys wrapped recording this interview that he had tweeted, like I might've been on this week in Marvel talking about all of the things that I am excited about in the Marvel universe. fans of This Week in Marvel, I'd like to introduce you to the man, Nick Walker. Oh, hi. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> so humble. That's yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm just trying to, just trying to exist, because who knows? Now, uh, what you guys what you guys don't know is uh, when I'm not uh, with uh, This Week in Marvel, with my homeboy, uh, you know, Agent M here, I am on Broadway, and um, I got the great opportunity to be in Hamilton on Broadway, and when I got there, there was this awesome dude who you are listening to right now. You hear his voice, Mr. Nick Walker, and Nick Walker played 50 billion people <laughs> in the show. And then this past, Too many. This past uh, a couple months, right before all of the um, craziness started, Nick Walker uh, left Hamilton and then went on to be the lead in Ain't Too Proud. Uh, what role do you play, my brother? I play Otis Williams. I took it over from uh, from your your brother, Derek, Derek ba- my brother too, Derek Baskin. That's very true. It's pretty nuts, but it's a whole thing. Uh, bringing it back to Marvel, one of, th- one of the reasons why I'm so honored to be on the show with, with both of you, and especially with you, James, one of the crazy things about Broadway is there's people who have been doing, you know, have been training in that type of medium their whole lives. But James is also someone who knows a lot about this. And before I connected with James as a performer, we connected with the fact that we're just massive nerds. Yeah. Like if you go to my dressing room right now, I have a Last Supper painting of the Avengers Sitting right above my, in fact, my uh, sitting right above my 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 uh, my bar, which is like all whiskey and then just comics. And my 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 nerddom certainly goes beyond. Like I, you know, movies. James could tell you, uh, you know, everything. But 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 certainly, especially with with you know the onslaught of the MCU and all this stuff. Like that's really all we talk about. Um, and it's 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 been it's been such a relief having. <laughs> having a brother in arms in the well, Broadway world. Just with, like. that, with that being said, you know, um, the, one of the things that our, our, our fans love are the origin stories of these amazing characters. I mean, origins from, mm-hmm. you know, how did Peter Parker become Spider-Man? So, Nick Walker, what is your Marvel origin story? I mean, if you, if Marvel was writing your origin story, what what would it be? You as a kid, how did you find your superpower of being an actor, of being a writer? What what is your Marvel origin story? So this is the best question I've ever been asked in my life. Uh, <laughs> I think that if you were to look at my origin story, it would probably line up the closest with someone like. Uh oh. I want no. Here's here's the thing. It's it's. Cr- this is going to be crazy. I th- and, and I'm, it's also hyperbole, but I, I but I, I got to go with me on this. I think it's I think it's Tony. I think really? it's Tony. Because I'll, I'll tell you why. Because so I think that the thing that you ask me how you know all these things that have happened so far, what has uh, made them happen? I think it's pressure and time. 
And I think that that is certainly, if you look at Tony's life in the movies and the comics, certainly that is a man who is pressured by his own genius and his own concept of what what he needs to live up to and all the things he needs to do. And my life, you know, so let's 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 wind back. I was a I was a young black kid growing up in white Irish Boston. Uh, so already there's problems right there. <laughs> there's a yep. lot. There's a lot you have to dig there, through. There's a lifetime um, movie right there. Lifetime movie right there. My mother was a news anchor for 30 years. She's the first black news anchor in Boston. And then she left the news to be uh, a minister. Uh, so she went to Harvard Divinity because, you know, just casually goes to Harvard Divinity. Of course. And becomes the uh, leader of a church. So there was a lot to live up to. I also, when I was a kid, I was the kind of person who I couldn't outfight you, but I knew I could outthink you. And so that was so much of what I did was I was like, let me just read everything. Let me just take in everything because my mind is my biggest weapon that I got. So it, it, it very much became kind of this battle to like become the wittiest person in the room. And, the, and, the, and, and that was like, that was my entire teenage life, as I think it is for so many of us. I think everyone's, you know, trying to find that step ahead. But I think, you know, in terms of the origin story of it, that was also, you know, as, as with all our favorite heroes, the thing that you know, your psychic wound, right? The thing that gives you the most power is also the thing that, that damns you the most. And I think that, that for me, you know, my journey coming into myself as an actor, you know, is certainly one of realizing that I didn't have to work so hard. I didn't have anything to prove. Every, every hero has that, has that moment that yes. turns them, you know, uh, Uncle yes. Ben being shot tony yes. having you know going through the shrapnel thing the hulk being hit yes what was that moment that 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 terrible terrible moment that switched you <laughs> that that moment Ooh. that that haunts you to this day that switched you which basically sent you into your superhero world of acting so what what was that moment that said Cat, oh i can't do it anymore i must do something different i saw two films i saw jurassic park and i saw pulp fiction and that was early on but that yeah. was when i knew that stories that stories were something that that you could use and that you could you could build entire worlds off of and that p you could bring people into your world. I was fascinated with, specifically with Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park, the, you know, the secret of Jurassic Park is is that, and I'm not going to say anything about Jurassic World, but I'm going to talk about Jurassic Park. <laughs> the, secret, the secret of Jurassic Park is that Jurassic Park, right, is not about the dinosaurs. Jurassic Park is actually about a man learning to love kids. Huh. That's Jurassic Park. You have, a, you have your hero, Dr. Grant, who gets sent into this world where you know, he like the first thing we know about him in the movie is I hate kids. Right. And then Spielberg sends him into a world where it's like, well, now you have to protect these children. And it's and it's in a park that was built for children. And uh, he has to protect well them against the thing that he actually loves, right? But those are the layers of that story. And I was like, wow, you can tell, you can take your your trauma and your and your again, your psychic wound, and you can place it inside these things and just kind of build these fantasies with them and people will never know that 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 you're just really working your stuff out. But like it's it's just a hu human story is just what we keep coming back to over and over and over again. And so that was kind of my spider bite was like when I realized like, wow, you can really bury that stuff in there and people will hear about it and want to want to connect with it. Nick, were you a Marvel fan growing up? Did you read comics or anything? So here's what's funny. I did. I was actually uh, Batman is my is my life, and so DC. Did was you wait, I, I, did you say Nighthawk? I, or was that you know, Moonlight? I wish. Well, I think you said you know, Nighthawk. I, I did. I did in fact say Nighthawk, uh, Batman. Uh, and I, I have to admit that. I have to, and I have to admit that because James is the same way. And wait, James. Wait, wait, 
Listen, oh, listen, 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 out of James. Listen, listen, and James, listen, I, hey, yep, I know exactly. This, this isn't about me. This isn't about me. This is about you. This is about, we are here to talk about your greatness. Uh, oh, God. I have no and greatness. as Ryan said, no, you, you read Marvel comics as a, as a child? I sure did. I sure did. So I lived in a place uh, right, right down the street from this place called Whiskey Point. It's like a little neighborhood uh, in this uh, trolley suburb called Brookline. And, you know, and it's like, but it's like all the kids, what we call them in Boston, we call them triple deckers. So every, all the kids are living in triple deckers. And, you know, I remember when I was in eighth grade, 9-11 happened. My mom was reporting on it, so I couldn't go home. So I went to my friend Andrew Malley's house and he had some issue of the Fantastic Four. And we just sat there and just read through it. And I have to say, like, it was, I don't know if it was just the idea that these people were just like such a family and like just bickered with each other, but like clearly loved each other. And they all, you know, I don't know what it was, but I just found such comfort in that, in that issue. Yeah. Like Marvel to me has always been the place where I go to feel comfortable and seen, if that makes sense. Well, Well, and I think that's the beauty of Marvel. I think that's what you guys have done so well is you've created these characters you know, yes, they are. They are all people who are struggling, and they are all people who live in a gray area, right? It, you know, uh, other publishers who we won't talk about now tend to put <laughs> their characters on either they're either good or they're bad. And you guys have always dealt with that middle ground. Everybody has flip flops in Marvel, and that's and that's a beautiful thing about your characters. But X Men is the perfect example of this too, right? Is just the idea of you know Stanley saying, "I want to write comics so that people can see themselves." I want to give people those options to see themselves. And that's what Marvel has always been to me. I've always seen myself in these stories. That is something that I really, really means a lot. Once you, once you made the decision to become an actor, tell us a little bit about your career as an actor. Like what was like the, the show that like did it and said, this is what I'm going to do. And then how did you get to, you know, Broadway? How did you get there? Uh, I snuck in the back door. I still am not clear on how I'm here. Uh, so this is, this is a, a perfect example of it's not who you are. It's, it's how you treat people. This is the perfect example of that. And I think that that's, I have always truly believed that people will cast you not just because of your talent, but because of what you're going to bring into the room. And I, I've, that's I, and the people, I've been very fortunate to work in buildings and in companies and casts and on sets with some of the kindest people and kindness always succeeds. And, um, I've always tried to be kind. So my first gig back up to NYU, my college roommate, also my best friend, his name's Luke. Um, he's a great guy and he was like one of the best actors I've ever seen in school. One of the best actors I've ever seen. And we also bonded. He was just like a crazy cool guy. And he, you know, out of the kindness of his heart, his godfather would come into town once every month and he would take Luke out for dinner. And Luke was like, you know, Luke knew that I didn't know anybody in New York. So he's like, hey, you want to come out and like, and like, you know, get some dinner with me and my godfather. And uh, I would go out and get dinner with this guy. Now, this guy was like very wealthy. We would go, go down like Spice Market and he was dropping like $500, $600 on like a bottle. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it, was, it was insane. And you were just like, okay, this man is, is crazy. And, and I, you know, but at the end of the night, I was like, thank you, sir, for taking me out. It's such a pleasure. He's like, hey, you know, you're a really good kid. I want to keep tabs on you. What's, here's, here's my name and phone number. Like just keep me, you know, keep me posted on your life. Keep me posted on how you're doing. So he hands me his card. It's uh, James will know this name. It's Des Mackinoff. 
So Des oh, Des Mackinoff, God. for those of you who don't know, Des Mackinoff is one of he's like he's a big he's one of the he changed kind of the face of the theater. So he so the Who's Tommy was his. Yeah. Big River was his. Yes. He actually produced the Iron Giant, if we remember that that yes. that beautiful film. He's he's pretty incredible. He's also the director and creator of the Juggernaut, which we all know as Jersey Boys. <laughs> and and Ain't Too Proud, which is my Ain't current too proud, show. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So what was crazy was, flash forward four years later, five years later, uh, he was doing Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. And I had kept tabs with him. I would just, you know, just checked in on him every once in a while. Just be like, hey, sir, I hope you're doing well, but whatever. And like, I, I didn't know, again, I had no idea who this man was. But I went in for him for Jesus Christ Superstar, and he'd never really seen me perform. He's like, dude, you really, you got something here. I can't use you for this, but I have a project coming up. And I, I want, just keep me in mind and keep keep your summer open. I was like... Uh, I will keep my, my, my life open, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so he calls me. Uh, this is my first time where it's not an audition. You just go meet with them. Yes. Yeah. I've, ne- I've never, I had never had that because I'm not James. Yeah. How dare you? And I show up and I just went to the Dodgers uh, offices and he was like, I'm working on this new thing. And it's uh, this crazy show. And, uh, you know, it's this, this band called the Flaming Lips. Uh, they had this album called Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. And I want to turn that into a rock opera. And I was like, oh, oh my God. And yeah. he showed me pictures and he showed yeah. me the script. And he literally, when I say it was for, for somebody who grew up in the world of, of movies and sci-fi and comics, this show was a dream. So the plot was kind of loosely taken from this album, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. Mm-hmm. If you know, it's an amazing alt-rock album. And what he did was he fashioned this story where it's these two guys kind of fighting over this one, one woman named Yoshimi. And in the middle of their love triangle, she gets diagnosed with cancer and they imagine her battle with cancer as this battle with these giant pink robots. So we had, this was at La Jolla Playhouse and I, it was, yep, it was me and my friend Paul and my friend Kamiko and uh, Kamiko who uh, actually ended up in Marvel World because she, in Spider-Verse, she voiced Penny? Yes, with the, with Spider, the, with the robot. Like the, yes, with yes, the dashes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Penny Parker, yeah. And so her first foray with robots was this one. And it was like literally us and then these 30 foot tall robot uh, stomping around the state. It's it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So that was like my first big show. And that was my in. And from there, that opened a lot of doors. The other big thing that happened was I had to learn. I was a Shakespeare major. So musicals and dancing and movement weren't exactly my strong suit. And they still aren't. So my, my, my Broadway debut was in a show called Motown, and I bombed that audition. But they needed someone who could sing high, <laughs> but, they, but, I, I, but I couldn't dance. And so they were like, we're going to put you in a boot camp, and you have two weeks to learn how to dance. And that you didn't was, tell me that. that. You've never my, told me that story. Oh, my God. <laughs> Warren, dude, Warren Adams. Warren, yes, I know Warren, Warren Adams. Adams. Wow. Is the he's reason Warren Adams and director choreographer is incredible. He's he's the only reason that I got into Broadway because he was like, dude, listen, you can't dance, so we're gonna send you over and you're gonna learn how to dance. But like, I mean, like, learn how to dance because like you can do this, but like you can't dance right now. So he, I to this day, I will give it to, I will always give it to Warren because he took a chance on me, yeah. and and that's kind of always happened. Like it's it's been for some reason I found myself in these dance shows. Ain't Too Proud, massive dance show. I mean, they massive. won the Tony for it, for their dances. 
and Hamilton's a massive dance show, but like I have no business being there <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> like, like my God. You got to Motown and the next time I saw you yeah. was in Hamilton. How did you get to Hamilton? Hamilton was crazy because Hamilton, actually, I was auditioning for Hamilton from as soon as Lynn was having those auditions after you guys did the concert. Okay, um, I got you. So for those of you who don't know, James did... It was at Lincoln Center, right? Yeah. It was kind of the preview of Hamilton. It was showing what you guys had worked on. Yeah. And so I was auditioning for that back when it was called the Hamilton Mixtape. And that was crazy, too, because, again, hip-hop is not my world. It's not my world. And so I was getting stuck on that thing, and I was like, it was always in my head. I auditioned for it over four years because every time I would come in, I think Tommy and the team, I think they kind of saw something that they liked, but it was kind of like, Okay, but you know, something's not clicking. Let's just stop for a second and say that one more time. Just so, just so, if any acting fans are listening, I mean, we have tons of comic book fans. So if any acting fans are listening to uh, this week in Marvel right now, you just said you auditioned for one show for four years. For four years, you auditioned for four years. One show, four years. That can happen. So it, it, wow, that can and will happen. Mentally, how do you deal with that? I had a great mentor who once told me that auditioning is my job. The gig is the vacation. Yeah, I hate to say that, but that's true. Because it's it's true for for actors, for performers of any kind, getting the gig is what that's our hustle. That's what we're trying to do. Because we don't we you know it's not a job that you can sit in by its very nature. Whether you're on you know you're filming even if you film a show that lasts for eight seasons, after those eight seasons are over, you're you filming a new just, show. Right, you got to do something. Yeah, that's true. And unless you are at a place in your career where it's it's offer only, right? You're putting something on tape. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. and it's fine. I watched Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, screen test for uh, Tony Stark, which is, if you haven't seen it, is incredible. And you watched that screen test. And I don't know if he had already booked it and they were just testing him or if if he didn't have it yet. But I was watching that test and I was like, okay, first of all, this man is going in, in on this character. Yeah. If If he hadn't booked it yet and had to wait and hear about that like and like wait on that. I would be so because like the amount of work that go that went into that test, you can just watch and you're like, holy, okay, you were all in before you even knew you had the job. You were all in for this one, and that's what we do. You know, my my wife, my wife, um, if I got if I can brag, my wife just got into grad school, um, for acting. It was three years of auditions. Damn, three years. That's crazy. You know, what I mean, that's just what we do. Yeah. Um. So all all that to say, you just you just kind of you just kind of deal with the mental load, and you and you just find ways to kind of reconcile the fact that this is you're in it for the long game yeah so you've you've run the marathon you you started out yeah. you met des mechanoff you got into these amazing shows but there's something that i know about you that most people don't know about you uh nick walker is an organizer nick walker is he might love tony but he's he organizes like cap so the question is um there is a thing that you do you uh yeah. get into a cast you meet everybody and you begin to organize these movie nights where everybody can go yeah. to these movie yeah. nights now you have yeah, organized yeah, yeah. a movie night to every movie in the mcu accurate now my question to accurate. you is after all that organization after all that putting together what is your favorite mcu movie i knew this was coming i knew this was coming yeah and you, oh. and you should have an answer for this and don't do one of those oh, stupid do. oh my god i get about four or five no no, no, no there's no, no, one no, 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 no. movie there is one there's one <laughs> There's one, and it's actually it's actually hard because there are so many movies that I love. The first time that I truly saw a splash page on screen, and that was Civil War. Oh, 
not just that airport fight scene, which is incredible, but everything leading up to it. Because I think the beauty of what the Russo brothers have been able to do is allow for us to let the characters breathe and sit. My favorite parts of Civil War were just getting to know these people as people. The fights and the battles were all great, but like the moment with Bucky and, and Steve and and Sam in the car where, you know, which Bucky and, yeah. and Sam are watching Steve kid, like, <laughs> yes. and they're just like looking at him. Like those are, those are the moments where you, you know, these people. Yeah. And that's a moment that's been building since cap one, right? You know, yes. we've, we've seen him, you know, just not take the, not take the, the charge on falling in love. And now he's like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Those are the moments that really make it special. And so when you get to something like Endgame, you now have, 10 years of those moments lined up. So Civil War was the first time, I think, where, where the characters truly breathed, where we got into, you know, we saw the beautiful juggling act that they could pull off, where you're throwing in a, uh, an entire Black Panther storyline, an entire Baron Zemo storyline, and all these amazing things, and yet keeping a coherent driving movie with just Cap. Civil War was really breathtaking to me. James, before you continue on, quick, what is your favorite? I want to say it's hard, but it's not Doctor Strange. Interesting. I'm a huge Doctor Strange fan, and I, I love the world of magic, but I also love the, the fact that someone... It, it's when you take something from someone, and they have to decide, okay, now what am I going to do? Here are my... that's Because that's always my biggest fear. I, I know what I do well. I will toot my own horn. I'm a great performer. I know that. I have to think that. If I don't think that, no one else he will. Is, so when I get on stage, I know that there's one thing I can do. I can perform. I don't need music. I just need a microphone and maybe some lights. And even if, if you just turn the house hmm. lights on and there's no mic, I'm loud enough, just give me an audience and give me a suggestion. I can perform. What happens to me if you take that away? What what do mm. I what do I do with my life? And you take mm. away the amazing skills that Doctor Strange had, and he had to go refine himself. And then for my mm. just my love of magic, the fact that he became a wizard, I was just like, this this is amazing. So. <laughs> well, also just seeing those beautiful colors. Yeah. When I first saw the costume design for Strange, and it was like pretty much head for toe the exact same as the comics i was like oh we're going there yeah. like we're not it wasn't like let's, we're not let's, even let's, gonna let's modernize it now now ryan what's your favorite mcu film i've never asked you uh it's guardians of the galaxy nice uh, marvel mm. studios guardians of the galaxy probably i grew up only child of a single mom and the through thread of his mom and and what he is and who he is and how he thinks about things that just that sticks with me, Peter Quill, and then yeah. the whole family aspect to it and like how yes. a found family has worked and like my daughter is adopted. And yes. so it's like, there's a lot to it that I, I really connect to. And so Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. So I've done some cool things in my career and I know Ryan's has some cool things in his career, uh, but we, there there's something that's, that's never happened to either of us. And we've been in the Marvel world longer than Nick. Yeah. Nick, left our Broadway show to be Aaron Burr on the tour. And he he took over the role and he was fabulous. And again, he became the leader of the group. He literally became, as much as he wants to be Tony, he's Cap. Uh, <laughs> he was always in charge. And at the end, everybody gets a last bow at Hamilton. If you don't know, some of people have been there. You get a last bow. And what happens is the, the uh, cast bows. They step back and let an actor, whoever's leaving, step forward so that the audience can give them the full love and admiration that they deserve before they move on to the next gig. Now, Nick Walker, in the history oh, of Hamilton, they have never <sighs> changed 
the song. It is always a Hamilton tune. When you bowed, would you yeah. please explain what happened to you, Mr. Walker? So, so the only, so I will say the precedent for this that was set, I think, was actually with Lynn, because Lynn was the only time they'd done it. Okay. Lynn, they changed the bow music to the West Wing theme. Uh, yes, that is very true. That is, but it also was Lynn, he, and he, he wrote the show. It's Lynn, and he wrote the show, and it's in his show. <laughs> it's so funny. I was out at dinner with my, I'm good friends with the music director of of the Philip Company, and he was telling me how he'd been talking to Lack. Uh, Lack is our music supervisor. Alex Lackamore, Tony Award winning, Emmy Award winning, Grammy Award winning incredible incredible human being and uh he had was talking to me because i'm also a fan of the west wing and he was like dude i was trying i was you know i was trying for your last day to get them to play the, the west wing theme but they just they just won't you know lack was like that's lynn's song can't do it and i was like cool i i wasn't expecting anything i was like let me just go out and bow and be done and cry then so i finished the show and i bow and i turn my back to my cast i'm like thanking them thanking them all of a sudden here I was like, oh, like I freaked. They had orchestrated the Avengers theme, and they played it. They played it for my bow, and it's the only time it's happened. The orchestra played it. It was live for the audience to hear. I was at my house. I saw it on your Instagram, and I was like, they played the Avengers theme for Nick Walker. It's so dope. And apparently, like, it was something that, like, either Lack or my music director thought up because he was like, apparently the full conversation was, yeah, I can't do the West Wing, but, like, he likes Avengers. And it was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> and, like, I, I fell to my knees. Like, it was one I of the most beautiful was, moments of my life. It was one of the it coolest, was, yeah. most respectful yeah, things. It also showed how much they love you. It meant a ton to me. Because, again, like, so when you're, especially when you're doing a show on the road, right? When you're doing a show in, on Broadway, you get to go home at the end of the day but when you're doing a show on the road that's your that those are your people that's all you got yeah. so the movie nights like i you know i literally every marvel movie that came out between when i left for tour and when i stopped tour i bought out a theater and it was it was like that was my gift to the cast was like let's so come in and watch the story and leading up to Endgame, like let's watch but it was just it was like this kind of bonding that we had had where it was like, when's the next Marvel movie coming out? He did it so much. There's a young, there's a young actress. I won't say her name, but there's a young actress who's coming up, and she will be a big star. She only knows Marvel characters because Nick took her to the movies. So she was 18 when she joined the Hamilton world, and she's 22 now. But if I, I one time we were on stage. I probably shouldn't say this. We were on stage, and we always say which character are we going to do tonight. So we would do yep. Marvel characters and shoot each other oh, yeah. through the stage and. They, Hopefully nobody here. I'm dead. I'm fired. Um, but and oh, one no, time, no. one time, I mentioned a character that was not in the MCU, and she was like, "I don't know who that is." And I was like, "I love right." It. I forgot. Nick has only showed you the movies. You really need to pick up a comic book, which is why I yeah. gave her a bunch of comics. I'm like, "Read this. Get your education." <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I legit. There was there were times. So there's a scene in uh, in Hamilton called "We Know," which is when yes. Lafayette Jefferson and we all we all go into Hamilton's office and try to accuse him. And really, it's just Burr, uh, Jefferson, and Madison like standing there while Hamilton has a freak out. And I would always whisper things to my friend Fergie, uh, who played uh, who uh, at that time was playing Mulligan, Mulligan. on my, my tour. And that night, the night of Endgame, I literally went up to him and I would just pull him aside like three times during the show. Like when I'm supposed to be like whispering like some sort of political thing to him. And I was just like, whatever it takes. And the bad part is um, Fergie, Fergie is now on now on Broadway with me. And several times he's l walked up past me and be like, on your left, 
And I'm like, I'll get, exactly. I'll kill you, I'll kill you, <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> I'm just so glad good. none of you said Hell Hydra. Oh no, no, no. we've oh never, we've never done that. Which is, I probably should do that if I'm, if I ever leave, I, I probably absolutely. should do that on my way out. Trust me, you'll know because Fergie will freak out. So Nick, you had mentioned Tony Stark and like mm -hmm. connections. Is is that your favorite Marvel character? Is, is Iron Man your favorite Marvel character, or do you connect with somebody else? Yeah, I just, I just, I, well, first of all, I think, I think what I've always loved about Marvel is just the amount of geniuses in there. For people who grew up more into books than sports, there's so many people to look up to in the Marvel <laughs> universe. And like, and even, even your people like Beast are still like, you know, could easily be like favorites. Harvard, like exactly, like Fulbright scholars. You I mean like everyone is smart and that is such a powerful thing. So definitely Tony, you know, I also... I do have to give it up for for Reed Richards. I I I do have a I do have a soft spot for him. The sad part and is, I don't you, even, and I always tease Nick about him. He always wants to be Nick. Always wants to be the the the, the cool guy, the the Han Solo in the room. And I always tell yeah. Nick, I was like, no, 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 no. You're the hero. You're the Luke of the room. I know. You're, you're, you're not. You're not the Han Solo. A, and he hates that. Said, and you're more Reed Richards than you are Tony Stark. I know. He's such a cornball. <laughs> he's such a cornball. But I love it. I'm like, you're right. You're just a really. He's like, oh, Reed. I think the beauty of Reed is is he's Marvel's dad. Like if if Spidey is Marvel's kid, to me Reed is Marvel's dad. That's a good way. Of, that that's a good. Yeah, I like that. that. That's nice. I think James, you probably heard me talk about it before, but like Professor X and Reed to me are just big old d bags, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> these guys are such jerks. Like especially <laughs> back in the day, he does, Reed was such an <laughs> to Sue oh, yes. and to yeah. everybody else. Absolutely, yes. and I think. But He's, but that was the time too. Sure, yeah, and, and yes. he was yeah. older, and like, there's a lot, there's a lot around it. And he's, I've grown into parts of like enjoying Reed when he's when the characterization is the way that I like it. It worked, but I think there's an this tone of like he's just such a prick at times. There gets to be a moment where someone is so smart that they don't get reality. Yes. So they're, they, because they are, they're already thinking so many steps ahead and already know what's supposed to happen or how things should go that they can't deal with people just going through regular things and Reed's one of those guys. And I think they had to, some of the writers, thank the Lord, had to kind of like tone that down because nothing like watching a highly intelligent, super powerful guy just insult your favorite people. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and then the, and then the other mm -hmm. super powerful, intelligent guy insult people. And you're like, Hulk, somebody slap these people. <laughs> somebody slap somebody slapped the face off of them just once. Yeah. I, I think yeah. guys like Mark Wade and and right now Dan Slott, they have a good handle like where I yeah. I enjoy their characterization of Reed. Yeah. Now you have toured a lot. I, I've toured um and it, it's it's cool. And but I will say the the couple things that I always looked for in a, in a, when I was on tour was like where's the pizza where's the pizza shop yep where's the grocery store yep where's the Target yep and where is the comic shop yep <laughs> did you go to like any like cool shops or any comic book stores while you were on tour yes Madison Wisconsin there's a comic book store that's right across from the Insomnia Cookies. And that's how I found it. Because I was like, ooh, I want some insomnia so perfect, cookies. Perfect combination, perfect. actually. Perfect. You know, I think I think what I've loved going across the country or like, is the amount of people reading comics that you see is, is you know, before, like, like when, I, when I was in school, this was not the thing. And I know people talk about this, but this was not what you, you know, you, you, you had to hide the fact that you read them. But the stories are getting out there, man. And people are interested like that. That is the beauty to me. You know, I think about what's happening in the world and I'm like, 
at least you know there's some kid out there who is just curled up with his with his comics right now yeah. or her comics right now you mean and just like and that to have that escape available to you that that not not just watching on the screen but that ink and paper you know it's like that that that's kind of cool yeah. I think that's a great thing. So that that's what I really love was was the amount of kids that I saw across the country reading these things. Um, really, really brought a tear to mine eye. It was really, it was really touching. I think that's kind of the perfect note to to end this on. Uh, Nick, where do uh, where do our listeners go to find you if they want to find you on social media? I have uh, I have the Twitter and the Instagram, and both are uh, the same. It's at uh, Nikki Walks. So N I K K Y W A L K S come on by and hang out and ladies and gentlemen uh if you don't know the history of the awesome amazing record company motown this man nick walker who you have been listening to right now plays the creator and lead guy otis williams on broadway it is at the imperial theater so when you go to new york and when this place opens back up trust me the show you want to see is ain't too proud you will lose your mind take your parents they will probably buy you dinner uh, it is awesome and he's a marvel fan and i'm pretty sure when all the marvel movies show up you'll probably see nick in there throwing popcorn at me because that's what we do when we get together (laughs) (laughs) thanks for being on nick man you're the best once again big thanks to nick walker uh he was delightful the two of you together i could just like just (laughs) listen to you two banter and hang out is a hoot well we are we are we are really good frenemies (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but that about wraps it up for our show this episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Persia Verlin Zachary Goldberg Lorraine Sink and Ryan Panagos our audio development manager is Brad Barton Jill DeBoff is our director of audio and special thanks to Asgard just because you have a name that's easy to mock doesn't mean you can't be fierce and godly thank you Asgard (laughs) I'm Ryan I'm Lorraine and I'm James This is Marvel. Your universe.